Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm honored and privileged to welcome a very accomplished entrepreneur, Dr. Jayjit Bhattacharya. Jayjit, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jayjit is the founder and CEO of Zerone Microsystems Private Limited in the fintech space. He's worked with several organizations. He's on the board of several prestigious organizations and he's the author of five books on e-governance. So Jaiji, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? You know, these simple questions are, are perhaps one of the toughest to answer, but um, you know, because there's so many things that really shape your life. Correct. But, uh, you know, it just, the, the first thing that I actually remember having a deep impact was this small little PB100 Casio computer that was given to me by my brother, which was almost like a calculator, a small thing. Hmm. And it opened up the world of technology for me. And uh, it was a character-based system with one single line that you could see in that uh, system, which was on an LCD basis. And um, and there wasn't much that you could do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given the flexibility uh, in technology, I could actually extract a an animated game out of it uh, based wow. on the characters and, and so on. And that was absolutely wonderful. So I ended up writing four or five such games and then I thought I'll send it, send those games to Casio. I was hardly 12 or 13 in those days and mm. sending an expensive international letter in those days was, was a challenge. Expensive. Uh, but, um, you know, that took me to, I think, um, I would say my next um, milestone would was... Um, entering into the portals of IIT Kanpur, okay. where the passion for technology was um, further strengthened. I think those four years spent was absolutely wonderful in terms of the professionalism that the Institute gets you, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they train you in, um, the sheer exposure to technology and the joy of technology mm-hmm. and, and what technology can really do in transforming people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think um, in my journey in life, um, immediately after I finished my MBA, I I spent about the next six years going to nine different countries, living there, working there. And the eye-opener was that um, although I was passionate about technology, that wasn't the case with everybody else. There was a huge resistance to change. There's a huge fear of technology. Mm. There is, uh, and it's the same language used across countries. Uh, You know that, sir, practically it doesn't work. Be it Mm. Hong Kong, be it India, be it Finland. That will not work uh, because, you know, we are afraid of it, so it will not work. Correct. And that was, again, a a massive eye-opener that what Mm. seems to be a no-brainer for me Mm. uh, is not a no-brainer for everybody else. Well said. Um, Mm. And it did take a lot of time for people to change, which Mm. is why now we have this term millennials and and Gen Z Mm. who seem to be far more comfortable than what our generation used to be. Mm. Very interesting. So uh, let's now move to your uh, baby, you know, Zerone Microsystems Private Limited. Let's start with you telling me and, our, and all our listeners about this venture. So, you know, we, we conceptualize Zeron. Uh, in fact, the Zeron name itself stands for zero and one, uh, mm-hmm. which was based on our, um, our desire to have an Indian name but not overtly Indian sounding. So it okay. basically stands for positional mathematics mm. that Aryabhatta had uh, had constructed. Mm. And that's how the name Zeron comes in. And what we really wanted to do was um, provide technology to segments of the population, which needs support for their own small little businesses. Mm-hmm. 
So um, when we started looking at, you know, as, as, as a partner in, um, uh, in KPMG, we were doing uh, an audit on the Jandan Yojana of the government. Mm. And we saw that, um, you know, 200 billion accounts had been rolled out in two months flat, which mm. audit led to, um, uh, you know, the Jandan Yojana being cited in the Guinness Book of World Records. But from there, the penny dropping moment was that, why can't we use the cards being provided through Jandan Yojana for payments and uh, instead of trying to use the dumb button-based feature phones, uh, mm. which were very, very complicated to make payments from. Correct. And since even now, 50% of the population does not have smartphones, they have the old uh, mobile phones. Mm. Can we get their cards to start making a payment? And if we can do that, then can we start tracking those payments and then start providing them with loans and then start providing them with everything else that they need for their business? Mm. So typically when people tell us, are you a payment tech company? We are not a payment tech company. Mm -hmm. We are a merchant tech company. Okay. So we try to find out what is that the merchant requires. It mm -hmm. may be payments. And we did start with payments, but it could be many other things that we provide as a horizontal mm -hmm. uh, to what the merchant really wants. Okay. Um, and that's been an, an, a very, very exciting journey because um, the rate at which we have been growing, you know, we added 10,000 merchants in the last three days itself. Wow. And, and that's a tremendous explosive growth that we're facing. Hmm. So, you know, when, you, when I was reading about you, you're an expert on societal transformation, levering, leveraging technology. Can you help us understand this with an example? Sure. I mean, I mean there are so many examples. And um, the way I ended up being a societal transformation person is I first started off being a government, um, you know, an e-governance person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and spending an enormous amount of time and effort in uh, trying to get uh, government to adopt technology. Correct. Uh, which is why I ended up writing the first book on uh, e-governance, which the then President uh, Abdul Kalam very um, generously decided to release it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the point was, when the government tries to procure technology, um, how will they differentiate between one software and another software? Mm. How can they justify that a smaller server is more expensive than a larger server? Mm. And in those days, I remember I used to jokingly tell the financial advisor, the FAs mm. in various departments that, um, well, you don't buy servers in kilograms and you don't buy software in liter. It has to be done in a very different way. Correct. Um, and, and that's where the transformation starts happening. It's very slow. Mm. It's not that the FAs did mm. not understand. As, a, as individuals, they understood. They did not understand it when they sit on the chair because there are a whole bunch of processes mm. that needs to be changed in order, in order for those procurements to happen. Mm. And that was a change that was being brought in. Let me take another example. Um, you know, there is rural tourism happening in India. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are organizations such as SEVA doing rural tourism. Mm. But how do you talk to a German tourist coming in okay. uh, trying to sell your rural tourism in Gujarat? Mm. You don't even know English. You only know Gujarati. How do you do it? Mm. And we see small little technological tools being used in, mm. such as using Google Translate or Airbnb to communicate and okay. get, get the tourist in. And that is leading to income enhancement happening in this country. Absolutely. Same with healthcare, education. In fact, one of my favorites is um, we have for, for two decades, we've been pushing for um, inversion of discovery of uh, what you are uh, entitled to hmm. uh, what does it mean you know as a regular citizen you would like you would go to the various departments and say well what am i uh, what does your department give to me and my favorite example was unfortunately a real life case in maharashtra where there was a a single um, tribal handicapped woman who was pregnant mm -hmm. and therefore she was supposed to get some five different 
entitled entitlements from the from the government mm-hmm. but she would go and she wouldn't even know where to knock the door off and how to get those entitlements mm-hmm. and she was getting nothing okay and therefore the thought that came in is why can't we invert that and let the government find out who they should provide the entitlements to okay and based on which in fact one of my interns went ahead and has created a large uh, company called easygov just trying to do that where mm-hmm. you take the profile of the person and give it to the various departments they put in the filters and the rule engines and through an artificial intelligence they are try- they are finding out who they should give the entitlements to and uh, who are genuinely you know needed uh, to provide that so can we therefore start providing automatic pension rather than the the senior citizens coming and applying for it mm-hmm. can we start providing automatic passport the moment you start uh, you know getting a government job or mm-hmm. finishing your uh, your bachelors and that's where the societal transformation starts happening okay uh, so, at at various levels so you know help me again understand i'll come back to the same question you gave me an example of rural tourism of a german tourist going into gujarat say and they using uh, google translate to be able to communicate where does zeron come in and what facilitation does zeron do in this transaction so um uh, zeron helps in uh, multiple horizontal layers as i said mm-hmm. for example one um we get to know what payments the person is come is getting because they okay. use our systems to get the payment in now um a german tourist will typically pay with which instrument they will not pay with upi they'll pay with the card with an international card mm. how do you accept that payment mm. um because they'll typically come down and and have local food and they also organize local uh, you know dances and so on and then they collect payments mm. now that's where zeron comes in we have democratized the card acceptance business okay so any small merchant can simply mm. upload their their pan number um mm. some kyc Uh, and thanks to the changes brought in by the government and RBI mm-hmm. all of that has become uh, online and we can onboard this merchant and then this merchant can start accepting card payments from their own mobile phone okay so you can either tap the card and accept the payment or you can you know scan the card and accept the payment okay. and we are the largest softpass provider out there one of the largest in the world uh, right wow. now okay in addition to that there will be need for loans that this person will be having because they would like to add maybe an air conditioner in their in the little hut where the tourist wants to stay mm-hmm. based on their payment and their incomes that they are receiving we then start providing them with loans okay we then start providing them with also uh, a view of the payments they receive from everywhere else because they are receiving payments from airbnb they are receiving payments from their card uh, transactions we help them integrate all of that and give them one dashboard providing them what is the profitability Hmm. not in a complex way and an over engineered way that a that a larger firm would need it hmm. but for a small entity out there what are the optimally engineered products that they need which helps them in increasing their income and increasing visibility of of um, what they're doing in their business so there are many many payment platforms you know from apple pay to google pay to paytm uh, to zeron are are you all competing with one another or are you facilitating each of these plat- uh, platforms well the world is is a mixed world always uh, as i mentioned we are not a uh, a pure payment tech company we are a merchant tech company okay um also in addition none of these other companies actually provide uh, a payment acceptance on your phone mm-hmm. 
And uh, what we do is we provide payment acceptance on your phone, mm-hmm. uh, the card acceptance on your phone. Okay. So you can actually take any card and you can either uh, tap the card and get a payment or you can scan the card and get a payment on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also works on phones which are lower technology phones, which is phones which do not have NFC. Hmm. So you will find uh, that Apple is working towards uh, accepting credit card payments on your phone, hmm. but only when the phone is an expensive Apple phone, which has got a technology called NFC technology. Hmm. Most phones in India do not have NFC technology. In fact, 98% of the phones in India do not have NFC technology. Okay. So what we do is we enable card payments to be accepted in non-NFC phones as well as in NFC phones. Hmm. Uh, it's almost like saying, you know, India has bullet cards as well as rockets. Correct. And you need to service all of those technologies between bullet cards and, and rockets. Mm. That's what we do in terms of payments. Mm. And we go beyond, as I mentioned, uh, to provide a, a large number of other horizontal requirements mm. that a merchant has and not just limited to payments. Wonderful. So, you know, Jayjit, for someone who's at the cutting edge of uh, one of the main pillars of e-governance, which is management of our cash flows in individual hands and moving towards digital cash, what is your perspective on how is India progressing towards a digital cash economy or will we still predominantly say stay in a cash-based economy? You know, the, the statistics are that we seem to be slipping back again and again into a cash-based economy. But um, that's because we need to reach a, a critical mass where suddenly there will be a flip and everybody will flip to a, uh, a digital economy. Mm. There are multiple reasons why cash is there. In fact, in spite of the government's efforts through demonetization and then subsequently mm. the COVID impact that we have, you know, we are still going through, mm. uh, a large amount of digitalization has happened. Okay. But unfortunately, after every such, uh, you know, push, um, the pendulum swings back to more cash. Okay. Uh, and uh, there are myriad reasons for it. There are regulatory reasons. There is taxation reasons. Um, there is infrastructure reasons mm. and so on and so forth. And, you know, general distrust uh, on something new that's coming in. Mm. Um, so it'll take some time uh, before, you know, the, the people start getting comfortable mm. uh, before we have uh, an infrastructure, which is uh, even more, uh, um, you know, uh, which we can uh, depend even more than what we have right now, especially in the rural areas. Very and rural is a significant part of our economy. Correct. So it is going to be uh, a a longer journey for Mm -hmm. a larger adoption of digital payments uh, than what we have right now. Okay. So one more question uh, related to Zeron before we move to another segment. You also talk about consumption of data. How have you seen the evolution of consumption of data in our country? I mean, big, big businessmen have said data is the new oil. Right. No, as I've always said that um, data is not just oil, it's much more than oil. Uh, mm-hmm. And reason being that once you consume oil, it's, it's over. Yeah. Uh, whereas once you consume data, uh, it's still there to be consumed well and reconsumed and okay. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Also, unlike oil, you can take the essence out of data mm-hmm. uh, in a manner that you can't do with oil. Um, so once you, you use the data to train an artificial intelligence system, mm-hmm. uh, then it, it is uh, the value add is significantly different. Hmm. So what people do with that, you know, oil as data or, or data as oil is very different from, you know, uh, what one can do with oil. With oil, you can simply burn it and you get energy and then use energy in whichever way. Hmm. But with data, you can do um, so many myriad different things 
uh, that it just it's, it's just an explosion of usage that will happen. Mm. So it's very significantly different. The value is much higher than oil in that sense. Correct. Uh, but it really depends on how you can use it and who can use it. Mm. Um, and therefore, we also see a, um, a a journey towards a situation where we have the data haves mm. and the data have nots, and that's already happening in the corporate world. Mm. It'll soon come to individuals who have got access to data and those who do not have access to data. And I think it'll be very interesting to see. How the society gets impacted uh, with the with with some people getting access to data and others not getting access to data. Fascinating, fascinating. So you know, let's talk a little bit about e-governance. Your books, based on all your experience and research, what are some of the challenges that we are facing in our e-governance uh, requirements in our country? India has got multiple levels of government. Mm. Uh, you have the local government, which is municipalities, panchayati raj. And you've got the state governments and you've got the central government. Each of the governments have around 40 departments, if not more. And with roughly, you know, 30 states, you've got 13 to 40, 1200 departments out there. Mm. And then you've got the central government departments. One of the key challenges is the fact that um, these departments continue to operate in silos in spite of uh, two decades of effort by the governments mm. to integrate them. Okay. Um, it's not easy to integrate them. And, and therefore, but the outcome of that is that we still have significant leakages. We are still not able to provide better um, uh, services to the government, to the to the citizens, um, and and therefore um, you will have situations where somebody is applying for a gun license and is also below poverty line. Mm. Now, as we know, a gun costs at least fifty thousand rupees upwards. Mm. So how can somebody who's below poverty line apply for a gun license? So why are we not able to combine these two mm. and stop leakages happening, right. or why are we not able to combine, um, you know, database and find out who really needs uh, help in in terms of um, you know job loss after COVID, mm. or in terms of uh, healthcare benefits and so on and so forth. Mm. Once we have data across multiple departments. Um, then we are able, we can do exactly what we discussed a little while ago, mm. which is use the data to generate disproportionate benefits for the people and the citizens mm. uh, and be able to provide far better services than what we have right now. So that is a challenge that continues to be there. Uh, initiatives such as Aadhaar has had limited impact. I mean, it has a got deep impact, mm. but mm. it could have had far more impact if some of the um, liberties of using Aadhaar would have been provided by the Supreme Court. Mm. So I think the legislation, the society and the government all has to evolve further mm. to be able to use the power of technology in a in a respect in a, a responsible manner so that we don't violate people's privacy but do provide them with the benefits that they need. Very interesting. So I uh, just a follow-up question on that. I mean, you know, Aadhaar, for example, has got all my personal data, right? So does my permanent account number. And people get frustrated when every time some government department asks you to give you the same information over and over again, and this, but you already have it. Right. What is, why is it that despite so much, you know, uh, work being done to digitize all our data, we still work in so many silos? Exactly. Precisely the point, you know, uh, when the government tells you to submit some documents, they will ask you probably for your 10th law certificate, mm. a passport copy, mm. a PAN card copy, and so on and so forth. Mm. But guess who gave you all of those documents? It was Correct. the government. Correct. So who should be having it? The government should be having it. Right. And the government doesn't have it. And if I'm providing it, what is, um, uh, you know, who guarantees that that is not a fake document? Mm. 
there is far more sacrosanity of uh, and sanguineness of the document that the government keeps and provides hmm. than what i am providing correct now fortunately the government um, is fast evolving and is trying to connect all of these together hmm. but the challenge that we had for 20 years was that how do we connect them together hmm. uh, if we use a name and the address and so on and so forth we know you know the same name is uh, is spelled very differently hmm. there's no concept of first name and last name for some of the uh, people in the southern states hmm. and so on so you can't really create a, a unique identifier um which links your data across multiple departments mm. and agencies if you do not use a single identifier mm. but the challenge in either case you know either you do it through a single identifier such as aadhar or mm. you beat it and you do it through some other algorithm which i can't think of and nobody else has been able to think of for over 20 years but if you are able to do it either which ways you will have a 360 degree view of the mm. uh, uh, of the citizen that apparently is not acceptable to the civic society hmm. uh, and uh, and that therein lies the challenge you know we do want the services but we are also afraid of what will happen hmm. if the government has a 360 degree view of ourselves hmm. so that's an evolution that the society has to go through hmm. either we um, say that well the poor need not uh, get uh, everything that they are supposed to get because the government doesn't have a 360 degree view of who the poor are hmm. or the rich maintain their privacy correct and you know that's a, that's a conflict that we need to resolve well said so i'm going to move to the last segment i've got time for two or three more questions for you so these questions are for you personally sure so you know jayjit as you look back i mean such an amazing career so much to look forward to where you are at today what does success mean to you a very very interesting question um at the end of the day for me success is if i'm been able to make a difference mm-hmm. to the lives of a large number of people in a very positive way mm-hmm. uh, for me that's what success would be and uh, that's what i strive to do okay very interesting and a follow up question from that is who or what inspires you very interesting question you know uh, i have been thinking about it uh, for a long time and at different points in time different people inspired me mm. i think obviously uh, as with most people one parents inspire you my father has inspired me significantly but as i age i think uh, where i derive my inspiration from is more from the universe mm. um such a complex thing uh, which is an absolute harmony uh, it is able to um move uh, all its celestial objects in, in such perfect harmony are mm. uh, right down to the smallest um, thing in the nature uh it is absolutely amazing in fact reminds me of a saying from sri aurobindo that mm. um, the hand that spends that sends the jupiter mm. spinning through heaven spends as much cunning to fashion a curl wow which is where it takes as much effort to do a little curl to do a little microprocessor for that matter just a small microprocessor mm. as it takes to probably build a, a dam or to send the jupiter spinning through heaven and therefore focus on details is as much satisfying mm. and it should be as much satisfying as doing the big things which are optically visible but it's the small things also which matter and the harmony and the orchestration between the big things and the small things uh, is is very very uh, evocative for me Wow. So my last question now to you and this is a question uh for all the young individuals who are going to be listening to you and all the thoughts that you are you are you're, you're talking about now. What would your advice be to a young uh, individual who's starting off on their entrepreneurial journey and looking up to people like you who've done so much amazing stuff? 
I think um, my my um, advice to uh, those who would like to go down the path of either entrepreneurship mm. or a career for that matter mm. is to pick up something that they're really passionate about. Okay. It's something that you know many people would have spoken about even before me. You would have seen that in movies. Mm. Uh, but it's only when you go through it and you go mm. through something that uh, you may not like that you will start talking about issues like what about my work life balance mm. you know what about my you know my my hobbies correct but if if you're really passionate then um, issues like work life balance uh, disappear mm. uh, you will always find out um, how to solve the problem mm. you will not get stuck but the day you lose passion um, it's pointless to do entrepreneurship post that That's if right. entrepreneurship is just another job um, don't even get into it mm. it has to be a, a matter of passion fantastic um jaji thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you i wish you and zeron and everything else that you're doing lots of success thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have a conversation with you and i hope this conversation is of value to all your uh, listeners thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals you can also follow us on youtube facebook instagram and twitter just search for the brand called you